Welcome to Innovations of Health, a podcast that gives you the latest in healthcare trends and news. We'll be sharing advances in digital technology and breakthroughs in healthcare that eases people's way and provides a better healthcare future for all. Well, hello and welcome to our broadcast and podcast. I am your host, Ariana Lake, Providence Communication Manager for Eastern Washington. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. For medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or your healthcare professional. Joining me today will be Dr. Christy Smith, who specializes in cardiothoracic surgery and heart transplant surgeries at Providence Spokane Heart Institute here in Eastern Washington. Dr. Smith, thanks so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're excited to have this conversation, especially around Heart Month. Um, can we start out with a broad overview, though, so folks can get to know you? What do you do in your job? Right. Uh, my kids ask me that all the time. Um, I am a cardiothoracic surgeon uh, with the Providence Heart Institute. I'm also the surgical director for mechanical circulatory support, which sounds like a really big thing, and heart transplantation. Basically what it means is that although I do a lot of the cardiothoracic surgery and I have amazing partners in cardiothoracic surgery that does all of the, uh, what we call conventional work, uh, bypasses and valve surgeries and things like that. I also subspecialize and uh, surgically direct the program for patients with failing hearts uh, with significant heart failure that requires some kind of mechanical pump or mechanical device to either temporarily get them through their heart issues or for a more durable device where they can go home and live with that until they get a heart transplant or just to go home and live with it until they are done. Wow, I love how many hats you wear in this realm of cardiac. Um, and you're the per perfect person for us to talk about the intersection of technology and our heart health. So, um, but let's back up a little. Can you mm -hmm. speak to us a little bit about what are some of the main causes of heart disease? This is something we hear a lot about. So, and heart disease is bizarre because it can happen at any point. You know, there are babies, there are children, and then adults. Most of the time when we think of heart disease, we think of what we call acquired heart disease. So blockages in the arteries from cholesterol or genetics or a combination of all of the above. Problems with valves where the valves fail or they get calcium on them and they get too tight. Uh, but there's also abnormalities where people are born with one or another a different valve or a different setup in their heart that requires um, us to go ahead and help them through that. There's also things like viruses and other autoimmune diseases and things that can affect the heart. So it really runs the gamut, but most of the time it's something that happens over time to our adult population. Okay. And with so many different subsects of that, um, can you talk to us about some of the technologies that intersect and support heart health? I'm sure we could spend hours talking about it, but you know, maybe some that you're excited about um, that you work with. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm really excited because technology has taken off. So if you think about the fact that, you know, cardiac surgery started, um, you know, up in the Minnesota area and with bypass pumps that just started not very long ago, you know, you look at the 50s, 60s and 70s is really the birth of heart surgery as we know it. And at that time, things were big and clunky, you know, kind of like old computers, right? They took up rooms of rooms and rooms of space and technology to support the heart function 
technology to allow for minimal access for things like valve replacements and other things, small, tiny technology to help with things like pacemakers, um, and then the technologies that we have to help people who are in shock to survive that shock has come such a long way. I can tell you from the time that I started doing, um, at least the subset that I do, the, the heart failure work, uh, the devices that we used to have to help these patients through were, you know, they were this big around, they would barely fit inside the belly and then connect it up to the heart. And now they're this tiny and they fit just through a little incision between the ribs. So, you know, the technology has advanced with both support mechanisms and access mechanisms to allow us to fix different parts of the heart without actually having to do open heart surgery. That is just phenomenal. One of the things I love about your role in our healthcare field is that you have this great history with the total artificial heart. Um, and I feel lucky to have been able to see part of your journey with that. Can you tell us a little bit about what the total artificial heart is and share a little bit about that special patient we have here in Spokane? Oh, absolutely. So the total artificial heart is uh, near and dear to, to my heart because I trained at the University of Arizona with uh, Dr. Jack Copeland and he invented the total artificial heart. So, you know, we got to start from scratch. I got to see it from when he invented it in his garage and, you know, brought it forward. And what it is, is it is literally a replacement for the two bottom portions of the heart, the ventricles, the pumping, the heavy duty pumping parts of the heart. And so what happens is if someone has a heart that has failed so completely that they literally cannot live with the heart that they have, it won't pump the blood, it won't support the brain and the kidneys and the liver. Um, and if it's both sides of the heart, because we do have other devices for just the one, but if it's truly both sides of the heart and for whatever reason, because of matching or because of donor scarcity or other things, we can't find a transplanted heart for them. We can do a surgery where we open the chest and replace the heart with these two ventricles is essentially what they are, but they are pumping chambers that are connected to what is the, the aorta and the vessels from his old heart and then run that to a backpack type compressor that allows the patient to have their heart replaced, have a normal function as far as the amount of blood being flowed through the body and to be able to go home. And so uh, Greg Sumikil is an amazing man. Um, he came to us with very significant heart failure. We went through a lot of different things to try and support him to get him to a heart transplant. But, you know, we just kept waiting and the right heart never came along. And uh, we couldn't find that right match. That right donor didn't come along. And we were getting very, very concerned that despite all of the technology that we were using, all the medications, all the things that we had, he was starting to have failure of his kidney and of his liver and was getting sicker as we watched him um, to the best of our abilities. And so the total artificial heart allowed us to take him to the operating room, replace his heart with this mechanical heart, um, close up his chest and allow him to start rehabilitating and eventually actually allowed him to go home, go take his kids water skiing on the lake um, and, and really get his strength back and get out of the hospital and live a, you know, a relatively normal life until that right heart came along and we were able to do his transplant. He is such a fan of your work and this technology. You know, it, it's clear that, you know, these are very complex technologies, but to see it delivered in this careful, thoughtful way by your team, it's just inspiring. 
you know, what's the reaction been with people like Greg and, and other patients when you when you have this great technology, whether it's a total artificial heart or something else? Well, and, and we're pretty blessed. I mean, Greg is a heck of a trooper. I mean, you know, we when you first introduce anything like this, I mean, it takes a special kind of courage for patients to trust you to say, okay, I trust you. Let's go to the operating room, take out my heart, replace it with this pump. I trust you that it's going to work. I trust that it's going to do all the things that you say. Um, and that is, I mean, that's immense courage. And Greg honestly never blinked. He was excited to have the the chance to be part of this. He was excited to to be supportive of the technology. And even afterwards, I mean, I have never seen a man who is so um, generous with his time in teaching people in the hospital, teaching other uh, children at school and showing them the different technology to try and just promote this as, uh, as something that obviously helped to allow him to stay healthy while he was waiting for his transplanted heart. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's, it's amazing to have a guy like Greg who's willing to embrace that technology and wants to be part of that. Mm -hmm. What's it like for you to see him now? He now has um, a, a full heart transplant. His color's back. He's home. I saw him on the ski hill. He's not skiing yet. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what's it like for you to see that full circle moment? Uh, I mean, it's it's everything that, that both I and the whole team wait for. I, I mean, all of us go into this with the hope that we're able to give patients back the life that they want to to let them go back to their families and their activities and enjoying things and um you know to have greg come in and and tell us his latest stories and show us pictures of going out and doing things and pictures of him with the family uh, you know there is no greater joy for anyone here than knowing that we were able to be a part of that journey and to help facilitate that and it's amazing that we can offer that high level of care in you know you, you don't have to go to huge cities to get that you know the providence Spokane Heart Institute and other Providence Heart Institutes have this highest level of care. And to me, uh, that's just amazing. You know, I will tell you, I, I mean, because I've been with Providence now for a little over three years. And um, when I came here, Providence at, from the ground up, from the nursing staff, the ICU staff, our tech staff, our physical therapy, nutrition, up to administration and the system level have all been unbelievably supportive of continuing to advance our program, to allow us to add the newest technology, to allow us to learn some of the newer techniques and to bring that forward. Um, when I started talking about doing minimally invasive um, LVAD implants, which is a, another different kind of heart pump, and changing the technique from going through the middle of the chest to the, to the side between the ribs, not a single person in Providence or at the Heart Institute, you know, batted an eye to say, well, you know, I don't know if we can go there. You know, they've been supportive of technology and advancement and really dedicate themselves to bringing the absolute best to our community, to our patients here, so that no one has to leave their family, leave their loved ones, travel a long way, spend a lot of money to travel a long way uh, to be able to get everything that we can currently offer in technology today. It's, it's truly amazing. Anything else technology wise that you're really excited about right now? Oh gosh, there are, I mean, and it changes every day. There are so many new things. So there are some smaller devices coming through that we are learning about that can be implanted just through a vein instead of even having to go through the, the ribs. Um, I mean, everyone's heard about the, uh, the genetically uh, altered pig heart transplant that's coming up. 
Um, we have the ability to do a lot of different remote monitoring for things like uh, pacemakers and stuff that allows more freedom to the patients and allows for smaller implants. And our valve technology is just going through the roof. So the ability to replace valves or to adjust them so that they work better, again, with just having a small incision and a little catheter inserted in the groin um, and to be able to go home the next day. I mean, all of these technologies are advancing and they change almost every week. And, uh, you know, we're excited to be able to get to be on top of that and be part of that. And it's neat to know that this technology is advancing, you know, in, in really common procedures and on mm -hmm. these, you know, for lack of a better term, fancy things like a total artificial heart. Right. Um, so it, it is common that if you come into the Providence Heart Institute, you know, technology is gonna play a huge role in your care. You know, and it's it's in everything. I mean, it's everything from just the way that we monitor you while you're in the hospital. You know, we have different ways of checking oxygen saturations, different ways of monitoring your heart rhythms. Um, and that's just obviously in the heart department because that's clearly my bias. Um, but we have all kinds of technologies that are that are coming through from monitoring mom and baby to, you know, looking at all the different technologies that we're thinking of um, that play a part. And, you know, we're, I'm really grateful that we're in a an institution that embraces that and wants to be part of of moving things forward so that we're never really static. Exactly. Always moving forward. I love that. Can you talk to us a little bit about if there's any technology can, that can help with heart disease prevention? So, you know, we are learning and it's interesting. A little bit of that comes down to the, you know, what's old is new again. You know, the very basics are still the best way to help with your heart. Things like exercise and diet and what to do with that. And now we're learning, um, you know, more things about everything from nutritional supplementation, vitamin D, uh, to um, you start looking at some of these different, uh, totally non-technological, but um, things like lifestyle alterations, mental wellness and health wellness, those are all things that we can embrace that truly we are finding as we do the studies have a positive impact on heart health and are things that are well within every person's individual grasp to alter and change when they are at home when they are taking care of themselves. So it's no longer the case that if you know, oh gosh, my mom had a heart attack, my dad had a heart attack, my brother had a heart attack, my grandparents had a heart attack, that you know, you're doomed to live that life. There are now between the new medications, guideline-directed medical therapies, um, wellness, mental wellness, it, you know, different kinds of lifestyle alterations, intermittent fasting diets and things, there is a way for each of us to impact our heart health. And I think that's huge, not to mention, obviously, always making sure that you're following up with your primary care doctor, following up with your physicians, your cardiologists, if you have one, to make sure that we're, we're monitoring you and doing all of the preventive evaluations that we need to do. Exactly. They go hand in hand. We all have a role at home to make our doctors happy and uh, to keep our, our lives going. And, you know, it's amazing. I'm standing here, you know, I have a Fitbit on my arm and I can see my heartbeat. And, you know, I've heard stories of people who've been able to track and they've noticed irregularities. And then they go to their, their doctor and say, hey, Dr. Smith, I noticed my heart rate is there's something up with it. And it's, I mean, that's actually one of the, the most amazing things that has happened is I have now had more than one patient who either their Apple Watch or their Fitbit or um, there's actually, believe it or not, there's a couple of systems, uh, one's called like Cardia, where you can 
get this little tiny thing. It's about this big by this wide, where you put two thumbs on it, you put it on your leg, and you get a six-lead EKG that you can take a picture of and send to your cardiologist or send to your doctor at home. You know, you can just, wow, I, I felt a funny, a funny flutter. Um, let me send that. You know, and, and they sit there and get it. So, and I, I'm, I'm actually getting those in my emails and other physicians that I know are getting that or the AFib alerts on the Apple watch and the, you know, all the Fitbits and all the other watches. Um, those are making a huge impact because now again, patients can, can, claim that responsibility they can control that and say you know i know i told you this and when we did the ekg in the office it didn't show but here's my tracing here's the you know the data from my apple watch that says i was in afib four times when i went home um, that those kinds of advances in technology just the ability for patients to be able to own their own data and to share it at will is is huge it feels very empowering. And I, I think it helps hold us accountable too. You know, I'm looking down, well, I need to get my workout in today. I'm getting the <laughs> reminder, you know, because we have to exercise our heart because it is a muscle in that way. Oh, absolutely. I, I tell you, closing my rings on my Apple Watch is is a thing. At the end, you know, if you're a little bit OCD like I am, you know, you look down there like, oh, I, got, I, have, I have 10 more minutes I have to do to close that ring. I can do this. Um, and those things I think really do help to encourage everyone to have their their heart health and their generalized health better. Exactly. With with so many changing technologies, how do you stay updated on it all? We have a viewer question wondering. You know, it's um it's from the just the physician standpoint. So I mean, not just talking about like you know the the Fitbits and the Apple Watches and stuff, but the fancier stuff. Um, we one of the things that really becomes a huge thing for us are our conferences and our journal articles. So we all have societies for the different things that we do, and so the research that is going on. I mean, to be honest with you, we have three research papers we're working on now from here. Um, there is our research centers around the U.S. and the world. Um, then, and we're constantly publishing those patients, those papers. So you see some allusion to that, like with COVID, people are talking about different studies and things like that. Those studies and things come together in journal articles that every cardiac surgeon can get part, be part of, can get access to. Um, we have conferences usually yearly. They've been virtual the last couple of years, obviously, but conferences where each of us can stand up, present our work and interact with our fellows from around the world or around the U.S. and exchange ideas and advance medicine and technology that way. And so the fastest way to keep up with the technology and what's new is to talk with your peers and to keep up with the research. It's so inspiring. I love to see how energized you get about it, too. <laughs> It's I, this is an amazing time to be in this field. I, I mean, the the advances are almost daily. The advances are amazing. And the ability to just help people to live not just longer, because honestly, living longer doesn't mean as much if you can't do things. But to live quality, longer lives is is huge. And I'm cannot be more excited to be part of that journey. Well, we're grateful to have you here talking about to be serving in Providence. You know, we've talked a lot about um, you know, uh, early heart health issues. What about recovery? Can you talk to us a little bit about the technology that plays into recovering from, you know, maybe a cardiac episode? Absolutely. So, you know, and it's been it's been really interesting, actually, since I have been here, our uh, rehabilitation center and our physical therapy staff specifically are amazing at working with our nurses and our patients from day one. The moment that you're done with surgery, uh, within 14 hours, someone is getting you up out of bed. And to see the new, um, the new equipment and the technology that they use to go ahead and 
get our patients mobilized, to improve their recovery, to make it faster, um, is is really inspiring. I, you know, there are things that the physical therapists and the occupational therapists and speech therapists will break out that I honestly don't even know what they are. Yeah, you walk in, you're like, what do you, Shane? What are you doing there? What what is that thing? And they'll they'll share with you the latest in rehabilitation technologies. And so recovery, really, everything from the monitoring to um, you know logs and uh, apps that help you to keep track of your heart health when you go home that allow us to keep track of that medication tracking you know our pharmacists uh, with their ability to do really fast medication scans and to look for optimization there as well as the new the the true equipment technology that comes into the physical therapy side you know tech advancements are everywhere and they are all pretty much going a mile a minute in each individual field yeah, and it's great to see it from start to finish, right? Before you even come into our office, there, you know, technology is playing a role, and then long after your surgery or procedure, it, it's still playing a role when you're going through cardiac rehab or something like that. Even simple things like the my chart, you know, where patients can get access to all of their information, they can get their lab. I mean, honestly, I've had patients that'll come in and say, "Oh, hey, doc, I saw that my lab was this." I'm like. I haven't even looked yet. I haven't gotten to your your e-chart to look at that, but they'll have it on their phone. You know, they're in bed recovering from heart surgery and they're showing me their labs on their phone because they were able to pull it up. I, I mean, it's uh, it's really kind of funny. I love it. That's that's amazing. People are very involved in their care these days, yeah, which is great. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about in our last few minutes, you know, Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center, Providence Spokane Heart Institute mm -hmm. was recently recognized as one of America's 50 best hospitals for cardiac surgery. What does an award like that say about the care we offer and, and the team you're part of? You know, I think what it says about the care that we offer is I think it says that we are dedicated to offering the state-of-the-art, most optimal care that we can. And I truly am blessed. I work with um, surgeons and physicians assistants and staff here that are inspirational. I mean, we have, you know, two of our surgeons are amazing robotic mitral surgeons that are probably top five, if not top in the world at that particular technique. We have two surgeons that do adult congenital surgery and pediatric surgery and they, their uh, outcomes are well beyond uh, the standard for, you know, international outcomes. You know, we have a new uh, surgeon that joined us that is doing thoracic surgery, and he does robotic thoracic surgery and minimally invasive surgery. Um, you know, we have uh, an aortic surgeon who is, again, probably one of the top 10 to 20 in the nation. So, I, I mean, I feel really lucky and honestly very humbled to be part of, uh, you know, on the bench with a team of, of all-stars. And um, our cardiology colleagues are also equally um, as advanced in their careers. And I think it allows us to offer, whoop, allows us to offer anything that we can uh, to support that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for talking a little bit about that. I know when that award was announced uh, by Health Grades, I just I was thinking of you and, and all the amazing cardiac folks that I've met from yeah, surge techs to up and beyond. So, um, well, is there anything else you want to you want to add or um, highlight as we wrap up this conversation today and, and mark Heart Month? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I would add is that, you know, with everything that we have, with all the information that we have, with the apps that we have, you know, heart health cannot just be something that you can truly now take control of, but it can be fun. You know, you can get on and do your Peloton meditation 
app or you know your your biking or be part of a, a group of people across the nation that are you know enjoying their walk outside and sharing that kind of stuff. So I mean I think everyone can not just take control of their heart health but can make it fun and can make it entertaining and interesting. And where we are today is truly allowing us to to own that. And so I encourage everybody to think about something this month that they can do to help add to their heart health, whether it's downloading a new recipe, looking at a new app, getting out and just taking a walk, going out and doing some kind of exercise uh, because it's worth every minute. And uh, so then hopefully you can, you can own your heart health for many, many years. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith, for your time today and sharing your expertise and passion with us. Um, and thanks to everyone who's watching or listening and for sending in your questions. If you'd like to learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, or ways to give to support some of the great technology that Dr. Smith was talking about, or maybe if you're looking for medical care, you can visit providence.org. And of course, make sure to follow us on social media, Providence Health System for LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And we're on Twitter uh, under Providence as well. Thank you again, Dr. Smith, and thanks to those listening. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon.